Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts, set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. You know, in many ways, we live in a day of skepticism and cynicism, and not without good reason, because if you think about it, we are inundated with information, you know, between what we see in the news, what we see in print, what we hear when we're driving in the car, if you listen to the radio, information is constantly coming our way, and How much of it really is trustworthy all of the time? And so we become sometimes skeptical, cynical about what we hear. Think about it with with some of the politicians that we hear, with some of the advertisements that we hear, some of the drug company ads. I mean, on one station, in one moment you'll hear about this wonderful drug called I mean, pick one out, Sorelto, and then you'll turn the station, and then if you've taken the drug Sorelto, call the law firm. (laughs) Right? I mean, it's amazing. So you think, what do I believe? And why should I believe it? And we especially became skeptical, cynical, during the presidential campaign. And... Who and what we trust as we listen to businesses, politicians, governments in general, begins to narrow. And I'm not saying without good reason, but why do you trust what what you trust, who you trust? And so we begin to doubt what we hear. And if you listen to the two scriptures that we had from James and from the gospel. You heard the word doubt. And for those of you that might be visiting or haven't been here for a while, we are, during the season of Lent, talking about the questions Jesus asks. And if you haven't really caught in scripture, Jesus asks over a hundred questions. We usually think about Jesus being The answer and Jesus providing answers. But he asks a lot of questions as well. And he asks questions so that the people who listen to him, whether it be the apostles, the disciples, whether it be the scribes and the Pharisees, or just the Jews in general, might take a look at themselves. Say, why did Jesus ask that? Or what is it that I really believe? And the question that he asked in this particular gospel reading is, why did you doubt? And and who does he ask the question of? Peter. Now, when you think about the apostles and you think about doubting, which apostle do you typically think about when you hear the word doubt? Thomas. Doubting Thomas, right? You don't usually think about Peter. And yet, take your pick of the apostles, right? Right? Which apostle did not doubt? 
at one time or another. Oh, they all doubted. How many of them ran when he got arrested? All of them. They all doubted at one time or another. In fact, in fact, if you were to read the gospel readings throughout, you would see doubt after doubt after doubt at different times for different reasons. For example, if you were to read through the Gospel of John, it doesn't take long before, as the apostles are introduced to Jesus, and someone witnesses to Nathaniel, Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It doesn't matter what he heard about Jesus. And then as Jesus begins to talk about his going to Jerusalem to suffer and die and rise again, they, of course, say, oh, not you, Lord. If you were to read Matthew's Gospel, chapters 8 through 14, and this reading's in chapter 14, you would see miracle after miracle that Jesus does. And right before this particular reading, Jesus feeds the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. Jesus is walking on the water. Peter says, hey, can I do that too? Jesus says, sure, come on out. And he's even walking on the water for a while. But he doubts. Why do we doubt? Why did Peter doubt? It's something to ponder even as we begin to enter this particular passage. Now, while you're thinking about that, here's one that's always boggled my mind. Matthew 28, Jesus died on the cross, even after all the miracles, even after what he said about what he would do, died on the cross, rose again, spent 40 days walking the earth, showing himself to the apostles in particular. He's on the mountain, about to ascend. And this is what we read in Matthew 28. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Right? Now, most of us would say, now, if, if I was with Jesus, I, I'm not sure I really would have doubted. But if I'd seen Jesus risen from the dead, I wouldn't have doubted if I had been alive back then. Right? I'm not sure. Peter doubted. But let's go to the scene just for a second. Peter walks out on the water. Says to Jesus, bid me to come out. You know, if you think it's okay, if you think I can do this, if you can help me do this, bid me to come out. So he does. Gets out of the boat, goes out. And, you know, don't think that this is like a holy scene. Everybody's going, wow. If that's what you're thinking, I mean, these are fishermen, right? 
Oh, Peter, how cool is that? This is like fun. This is like, think about it. When your parents were teaching you how to ride a bike. They're pushing the back. Finally, you think you're getting it, right? And what happens? They drop off. You don't know it. You're thinking, this is beginning to work. Whoa, where'd they go? And what do you do? I fell. Why'd they do that? Took their eye off the road. They actually had it. Then they looked back. I looked back. Peter had it. He trusted the Lord. He was looking at the Lord. Then he began to look at the wind and the waves. And he began to sink. What could Jesus have done at that point? Boy, did you blow it, Peter. Let's see how well you swim. That's what he could have done. He didn't. Peter cried out a simple prayer. And Jesus reached out his hand. Because that's what Jesus does. Jesus reaches out his hand. All we need to do is ask. But it's interesting what happens next. Jesus says, Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Jesus doesn't always respond that way, by the way. I mean, think about different scenarios. When the apostles were in the upper room, and they were really frightened, Jesus had died. He comes to the upper room and he says, peace be with you. And he shows, his, shows him his hands, his feet. So he didn't say something like that at that point. Think about people who sin. And then he comes out to the sinner. But these are his apostles that he had performed miracle after miracle. This is Peter who the Lord bid him to come out and he was walking on the water. He had seen the Lord in operation. He had experienced what he had asked for. So he gently confronted him. 
Why did you doubt? I want you to take a look at that. Why did you doubt? Because if you're going to grow, you need to answer that question. For yourself. Because this is really a two-edged sword. And here's the other side of the edge. Why didn't you trust me? Why didn't you trust me? Peter, do you find me not trustworthy? That's the other question it might be helpful for you to answer for yourself. Is Jesus trustworthy? We call him Savior. Because he died on a cross for us, in our place for our sin. Fully God, fully human, that's what we say. Out of love for us, that's what we say. But then we call him Lord. Do we mean it? Is he really trustworthy? And if so, then shouldn't we seek to know Him as much as we can? You know, think about James, the one who wrote the letter, the other reading that's about doubt. As James is writing, I guarantee you he's writing with a twinkle in his eye. I guarantee it. Because he refers to the wind and the waves. Don't be tossed about by the wind and the waves. He's got Peter in mind. There's no question in my mind. The two of them ran the church together in Jerusalem for a while. They were the two leaders. And he remembers that story. And he's talking about doubt. And he goes on to say, don't lack in maturity. You need to grow through this. How do you grow in maturity? You have to, first of all, know the Word of God. You have to know how you need to grow. How you grow in holiness. Do you really trust me? See, we don't often want to do it His way. This is how I want you to live morally and spiritually. You know what? I really want to do that my way, Lord. I don't want to trust that to you. This is how I want you to use the resources that, you gave, that I gave you, your time and your treasure. You know what, Lord? I'm not sure I can really trust that much of my time or my treasure to you. I think I'd better be in charge of that. Really? See, we don't trust him.
See, that's the other side of the question. Do we doubt? Or will we trust Him? With all that we are and all that we have. Because He loves us, He knows what's best for us. He went to the cross for us to be our Savior, but He also wants to be our Lord. And He says, I know what you need. I know what you need. You just need to trust Me. You know what's interesting? Two chapters later in Matthew, the first question of the series, he asked the apostles, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you're the Christ, Son of God. He's the one that got it right. And Jesus changed his name at that point from Simon to Peter. Was Peter a rock after that? Hardly. After that, Peter would still desert him. After that, Peter would still deny him. We don't automatically grow into maturity. It doesn't happen. It takes going back to the Lord again and again. But what happened over time to Peter? As he saw the risen Lord. As he experienced the power of the Holy Spirit coming into his life. He would preach a sermon. His first sermon. That would see 3,000 conversions. He would go on to write two letters, First and Second Peter, that would have a huge impact on the early church. Did he still get it perfectly right? No. Read Paul's letter to the Galatians. He still messes up. See, the, the reality is we have to keep going back. And we have to keep emptying ourselves. And we have to keep confessing that we fall short. So that we have our doubts and our challenges addressed. We have to keep going back to the Word so that we might be transformed. We have to keep emptying ourselves so that we can be filled with the Spirit. Because the world... And Satan and our own flesh will continue to assault us with doubts and questions and challenges. James goes on to write as he addresses doubt. So that you might be complete. That means whole. That's what the word means. Whole. And lack nothing. Who's the one that lacks nothing? Jesus Christ lacked nothing. Nothing. If we want to become Christ-like, we have to keep going back again and again. 
We have to call out, Lord, save us. And we have to reach out our hand for his hand that's already waiting. That's the reality. We're all mixed bag here. We all have our strengths and our weaknesses. Peter did. John did. Thomas did. They all had their strengths and weaknesses. No one here is perfect. Anybody? Anybody? No. Okay. We all have our strengths and our weaknesses. We're all mixed bag, just like Peter. But you don't stop. You keep going back. You keep growing. Think about what would cause you to struggle, to doubt, being betrayed by others. Maybe financial struggles, maybe health. Maybe a loved one going through a challenge. I mean, we could make our list. But we keep going back. And we pray simple prayers like, Lord, save us. And his hand is waiting. And sometimes we need people to say, why are you doubting? You know what we typically do if people question us? You know what we typically do? We get angry or we withdraw, right? We get angry or we withdraw. Sometimes we need people to comfort us. Sometimes we need people to say nothing. Sometimes we need people to question us and hold us accountable. We don't like to be held accountable, you know? Right? Who likes to be held accountable? And yet Jesus would do that to the apostles. He would hold them accountable. And sometimes we need to be held accountable. We don't like it, but sometimes we need it. I don't always know what I need. He does. Sometimes when someone asks me a question, sometimes I just need to step back and say, Lord, what are you trying to say? How do you want me to grow? How are you trying to make me more complete here? And I know you're there with your hand out. I know it. I've had storms in my life. Who hasn't? You know, it's funny. I've had people come up to me from time to time. And I'm not kidding when I say this. Greg, you've had an easy life. You ever had somebody say that to you? I've had people say that to me at times. I had a, a friend when we were in our early 20s say to me, Greg, you had the perfect family. Then I started telling him about my family. My dad, who was an alcoholic, workaholic, mean. Fortunately, we finished well. My mom... I won't even talk about some of that challenge. My mom and I ended up having a great relationship. 
our relationship went south for about 10 years. My little sister, who was mentally handicapped, is part of the reason why I am who I am today. At 15, I gave my life to the Lord. Did everything get automatically better and hunky-dory? I learned to walk with the Lord through the storms. That's what I learned. And I got close to Him during that time. Life went along pretty well. Then I had teenagers. More shaping. More storms. And now, great relationship with all my kids. And I love my life, for the most part. Doesn't mean life doesn't have storms. You know, one thing you can count on, the weather changes all the time, doesn't it? That means there's always storms. What do you do with that? That's why we always need to be within the sound of His voice. We always need to be close enough to reach His hand. To reach his hand. So that we might be complete and lack nothing. Just want you to think about. Is he not trustworthy? Does he not love you? Did he not go to the cross for you? We all sin. We all fall short. We all have our struggles and challenges. He's just waiting for you to call out and waiting to take your hand. Don't take your eyes off of it. Let's pray. In Psalm 46 it says, Be still and know that I am God. Storms might come and go, but he is the constant, the one who says, I will never leave you, who forsake you. And lo, I am with you always, once we are his. There may be some here this morning that have never called Jesus Savior 
or Lord. There may be some here that may want him as Savior, but not Lord. But the only way that we might be complete and whole and lack nothing, and the only way to navigate the storms of life is to know Jesus as Savior and Lord and to stay close to him. Lord God, we know that storms are always around us and the weather changes constantly. Lord, we pray that we might, by the power of your spirit, always stay close to you within the sound of your voice. That we might always be able to reach your hand. Lord, for those here that may not know you as Savior and Lord, that they might come to you this day. They might come to Jesus and cry out, Lord, save me. For those who are going through a season of doubt, Lord, that they would that they would see you before them, not the storm, but you, and reach out their hand. And for all of us, Lord, that we would know you to be the constant. The one that brings us security and strength and peace. And bring us through every storm until we see you face to face. Where there are no storms. And we pray this in your precious name, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.